Did you know that many of the most critical skills required in order to succeed as an online entrepreneur are actually pounded out of us by a traditional education model? That's right. Your supposed education could be directly responsible for keeping you from business success. Today, Jim tells us about all the things he had to unlearn before he could succeed in business. These thoughts are from the notes Jim is using to write an upcoming book. So please be sure to let him know what you think by visiting silentjim.com and sending us a comment. Hey, Jim, help us unlearn some stuff. Hey, this is Jim. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I'm your host, and I'm so excited today to bring to you a topic that's on my mind. I hope you find it useful. I think you will, especially if you find yourself struggling a little bit to have a business builder's mentality. I've been around a lot of successful entrepreneurs the past decade plus. I came out of the corporate world where there weren't a whole lot of entrepreneurial thinkers necessarily. And I had a very traditional education. And the premise of today's show is the things I learned in that traditional education, sure, there was some value there, but for the most part, it really slowed me down. There was actually several things that I had to unlearn on my way to succeeding as an entrepreneur based on the education. Now, I had some great teachers and I'm not bitter against my parents and I'm not angry at the system. I'm not anti-schooling, although I do think schooling and education are two entirely different topics. But I just want to dive into that today just a little bit because I've been around a lot of very successful entrepreneurs and virtually none of them say, yep, it's because I went to this great business college. Now, some of them will say, yeah, I learned some valuable things there, but for the most part, it's the connections. It's learning to think correctly. And I would argue that there's a lot of things you have to just unlearn if you come through a traditional schooling model. Now, I don't say education because, again, to me, schooling and education are two entirely different matters altogether. Education, to me, implies a degree of wisdom and the ability to apply what you've learned. If you can take a test and get a good grade, that tells me nothing about your education. If you can get a good score on a standard test, that doesn't mean you're educated to me. Being able to apply what you know to shape the world and to serve others, to build a business, to serve customers. And you might be saying, whoa, wait, Jim, Jim, I've got a job. Is this for me? Yeah, you're an entrepreneur. We're all entrepreneurs. Unless you're one of those people in those envied positions where your performance doesn't matter and you get paid regardless, like, you know, a New York City school teacher they can get away with crime and still sit in an empty room with other teachers who committed crimes and broke their contracts, et cetera, and they still get paid. So no, I'm not talking to you guys today, necessarily. Not talking to you. I'm talking to those of us who live in the world where performance matters. So if you have to perform to get a paycheck, you are an entrepreneur. Say, wait, Jim, no, I've got a job. Someone gives me a paycheck. Well, yeah, that's your employer, but it's also your one customer. That person writing, the person who signs their name on your paycheck, that's your one customer. So you have a business with one customer. And if that one customer stops liking you or thinks your performance is low or stops being able to afford you for some reason, well, then you get what we call a pink slip. You get fired. You've heard that before, right? We've talked about that on the show. So we are all entrepreneurs. Some of us just have a lot of customers instead of just one. You need to approach life as an entrepreneur. And for me personally, and for a lot of other entrepreneurs that I've met who live in the real world where education matters and schooling really doesn't all that much, 
Well, I've built a healthy seven-figure business, multiple income streams, a virtual empire online with my partners, and I've had to unlearn a lot of my formal schooling before I could succeed. So let's give you some examples. Let's give you some real-world examples. In the real world, looking cool doesn't really matter all that much. See, if you're not trying something that makes you look ridiculous every once in a while, you're not going to accomplish anything. If you're not afraid to get out there and fail and maybe look a little foolish, you're not going to go very far. And one of the things I learned in the traditional education system is one of the worst things you can have happen to you is to be uncool. You don't want to be one of those kids. You know, how uncool is it, for example, to raise your hand and ask a question in a room full of your peers? You don't want to be that kid. It's like, um, okay, I have a clarifying question. Could you explain to me, please, you were just covering topic X, Y, and Z, and I'm not sure how that correlates to what we learned a few days ago, topic A, B, and C, and could we discuss that further? You know, instantly, everyone in the whole room is like, okay, you're that kid, right? When you're in a room full of peers, we remember, you remember that feeling? You've been in the classroom of kids before, right? Your age, do you remember that? how uncool it was to ask questions. And yet one of the greatest tools you have as an adult, as a business building entrepreneur, no matter what your age is, your ability to ask great questions and then keep asking them until you get great answers and then follow up that question with more good questions and then keep going on and on and on with more questions. I'll give you an example of this. We homeschool our kids. So our kids have been raised up in an environment where questions are always encouraged. Until mom and dad are out of breath, keep asking follow-up questions. We're going to keep talking. So when we go to a museum in the middle of a school day, when everyone else is sitting in rows of chairs, we're in a museum and it's just us and the people who work there. And we might ask a question. One of the kids will. And they'll ask a follow-up question and more and more question, 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 question. They're not afraid to ask questions. And we've even talked to many people. Try this sometime. Ask someone who works at a museum and who's handled, you know, busloads of kids who are the same age versus one or two families that come in as a homeschool family. And now I'm not laying a guilt trip on anybody here, guys. Because again, this, like I said, we're all entrepreneurs. We're all parents. I'm talking to you now. If you got kids, we're all homeschool parents. Wait, what, Jim? What are you talking about? I'll get back to my point about the museum here in a second, but I need to make this point. We are all homeschool parents. You see, the premise I get for this is when I read the good book, the Bible, which is, again is the premise of this entire show, I, I try to teach only biblically-based values and strategies on this. So I'll be very clear when it's my opinion, and some of this show is going to be my opinion, but I think I can take you back to biblical foundation for all of this. And here's an example. We are all homeschool parents, parents. If you're a single mom, if you're a mom and a dad with kids, you send them, you put them on the bus, they go off, and it's a great school. You guys love the school you've chosen for your kids. I'm sure it's awesome, right? That's great. I'm not taking anything away from that, but what I am saying is you are still homeschool parents because ultimately the responsible for their education is on you, mom and dad, not on the school, right? So when people come to me and they say, Jim, how do you guys homeschool? How do you guys do it? My response back to them often is, I don't know how you do it. How do you homeschool? And they'll say, oh, we don't homeschool. We, we have a great school that we send our kids. I'm like, well, okay, no, you don't understand my question. We're all homeschool parents. You're responsible for the education of your children, right? Yeah, we are. So you're following what they learn in school every day, right? Well, yeah, we are. Do you agree with everything they're being taught all day, every day? Well, no, sometimes. So you have to unlearn and educate and discuss those things, right? You have to unpack what they're learning. The peer experiences sometimes are negative. You got to unpack those, right? And life throws plenty of stuff for you to unpack, even if you're a homeschool parent. Trust me, we don't protect our kids from everything just because we homeschool. There's plenty of stuff to discuss. But the thing is, I've got a whole lot more time to discuss it. They're here. 
and we go to an event or we go hang out with their peers, tons of peer exposure. That's one of the big misconceptions about homeschool kids is they don't have friends. They don't hang out with other kids. Dude, our calendar is packed activities like crazy, literally daily around other kids in leadership roles around other kids, around kids who are older than them and younger than them. So they have a chance to be mentored and to mentor all day, every day. That's another one of the cool benefits of homeschooling. And I'm not here to sell homeschooling, but I'm just saying, yes, as parents, there's plenty of adventures for us to discuss and unpack, but I have much more control over what they're exposed to and the ideas. So I know what they're being exposed to. I have full tabs on all of it. And I'm sure you do as well. If you send your kids off to a private or public or whatever school they go to. But it seems like a lot more work to me if they're out of my care for eight or nine hours a day and exposed to who knows what. And then unpacking all that, plus all the homework, which I'm not a big fan of, by the way, we'll get into that more. But just telling you, we're all homeschool parents because ultimately we're responsible for the education of our kids. So how do I homeschool? I don't know how you do it with them being gone all those hours and being spread out all over town. I love our lifestyle. Please don't take anything I'm saying here as being judgmental. Like you do your family the way you think is best for you guys. This is just how we've done it and the things that I personally have had to unlearn in order to succeed and the things I've learned along the way. And in case you're thinking I forgot where we left off on this little tangent, I didn't forget. I was talking about the museum. And the questions, right? So it's uncool to be in a school full of peers and raising your hand and slowing down a whole classroom of kids because you got yet another question. Well, our kids don't, if never, that's never even occurred to them. You get around homeschool kids and you'll notice they are not afraid to ask questions. They'll look you right in the eye and ask you follow up after follow up after follow up until you say, you know, we need to do something else now because they're curious and they're allowed to be curious for as long as they want to be curious and pursue that topic as deep as they want. I was actually, this is a real life example. Just a few weeks ago, I was presenting and talking in front of a group of about 20 people or so. And some of them were in their younger 20s and some families there. And afterwards, some of them came up and they were talking to me and and, uh, we were having a little conversation. And two of the guys, I didn't realize they were brothers, but they were brothers. And they both had asked interesting question after question after question, follow up after follow without hesitation, without any kind of awkward social, like, ah, gosh, does, is everyone okay if I ask another question? None of that. They just like, boom, hands up, boom, hands up. One of them asked like four questions. The other guy asked like four or five questions. Of the 18 questions that were asked, these guys had half of them without hesitating, right? So afterwards I was there and their dad happened to be there, the three of them. I'm talking to their dad and these two young 20-somethings. And I said to the dad, these guys were homeschooled, right? He said, What? I said, I just have a feeling. And he said, how would you possibly know that? And then I told him this lesson I just shared with you. You can tell homeschoolers just ask a lot of questions. And yes, one of the vital skills that you have to have in order to succeed in the real world is a curiosity about the world. Always be willing to ask deeper questions and probing questions and find the right people to ask. So no, don't ever let it be a matter of looking cool or not. Don't be afraid to be that guy that just keeps asking too many questions. That's one of the huge keys to success. All right, we beat that one up. So uh, one of my favorite quotes from uh, Edison, Thomas Edison, there aren't any rules around here. We're trying to accomplish something, right? So there's no rules with entrepreneurship. The only rule is make sure you're serving others well. Beyond that, dude, make it happen. Be creative. Be curious. So, okay, to be clear, just in case there's someone out there that's like, oh, Jim, this is offensive. No, this is Jim's opinion on a lot of this, okay? Now, it's biblically based. When I say things like, yes, as parents, we're responsible for the education of our children. Well, no one should have a problem with that, right? I mean, this is the wrong podcast if you got a problem with that. How you educate them, that's up to you. But 
I did have to unlearn a lot, and we're going to unpack even more of that in this episode. Okay, here's another one. In school, if you didn't pass a test, they would say what had happened. They would say you failed the test, right? Oh, you failed. What a terrible word. Failure. Oh, it's like a weight you drag around. Oh, I failed. You know what? As an entrepreneur, failure is an awesome thing. Are you kidding me? If I'm not failing several times a month, multiple times, even in, in a day, oftentimes we're failing around here, then we're not making progress. You're not trying. If you're not failing frequently, that means you're not trying hard enough. If you have a fear of failure, we remember that feeling getting an F on a report card or on a test? Some of you just don't remember that. I remember it well. I often tell people, you know, my, my wife didn't have that issue. She graduated like magna cum laude at, our, at the college. We both went to the same college, right? I graduated, thank the laud, right? That's the difference between my wife and I. So I'm very familiar with that territory of getting those average or below grades and that feeling of, ugh, I'm a failure. There it is. It's right there in red ink at the top of the page. I am a failure. F, big letter F. And we're taught that's bad. What's good? An A. An A is good. That means you memorized all the facts necessary to take the test. And in case you've never studied the different ways people learn, some of us don't learn that way. You didn't know it. I'm not going to do a huge study on that right now, but some of us just don't learn by memorizing facts. Some people do. That's great. Most of us don't. But that's the system that most schools operate under is letter grades. Just arcane, like just ridiculous system to enforce on an entire population. There's a great book I could drop on you at this point. It's uh, I'll be referencing it a couple times. It's Weapons of Mass Instruction by John Gatto. Good book. He's a good friend of a great friend of mine. Hope to meet him at some point because it really influenced me a lot recently as I was doing research for a book I'm writing. The book we're talking about right now, which is all the things I had to unlearn. And if you guys respond well to this podcast, maybe I'll finish that book. If you don't, man, I've got a lot of great book ideas floating around out there. Okay, so we're talking about failure. Failure is a key to success in internet business. Well, what do you mean by that, Jim? Well, here's exactly what I mean. The cost of testing a new idea on Amazon is a few dollars. And if it fails the first time, you've spent a few dollars. And if it fails again the second time, eh, you spend a few dollars. A third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, an eighth, a tenth, a fifteenth time. Very rare that you will fail 15 times in spending a few dollars before you'll hit on a gold mine. If you follow the strategies we teach, you will fail. That's the point. We want you to fail. We want you to fail 10, 15 times, and then you're going to strike gold. Odds are you strike gold within the third to fifth try as you start to learn what you're doing. But more than 15 failures, that just doesn't happen all that often that I've heard of because there's just so much opportunity out there on Amazon. But you will fail, and you need to continue to fail, and you need to surround yourself with people who are comfortable failing. That means you're trying new things, and you're learning as you go. Here's a favorite quote, and some of these are going to feel kind of random because I'm still organizing the notes here, but hopefully this is a fun topic and you guys are enjoying this. Hey, if you don't have a seat at the table, it's probably because you're on the menu. I mean, if you don't feel like you're out there leading and building something of value, something that you can long-term look back over your shoulder and go, wow, yeah, okay, we've built something here. There's some significance here. If that's not happening in your life, you're probably on the menu, my friend. If you don't have a seat at the table, you're on the menu. What are you building that's significant, sustainable? lasting. I like the word legacy. What will you be remembered for? You know, I just didn't learn that kind of thing in school. I had to be educated much later on these types of things. Here's one that I should have brought up maybe slightly earlier about asking questions. This is one. The person who has all the answers just means they're not asking the right questions anymore. See, I never want to be the smartest person in the room. Anytime I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. 
I've intentionally built my business around surrounding myself with people whom I can ask great questions of. I can say, hey, here's a question, guys. Help me out here. What do you think of this? Here's a new thing we're thinking of trying. Tear it apart. Shred it. Ask your own interesting follow-up questions. Get me some answers. I'm not the smartest guy. If you ever think leadership means not having any questions, just being able to answer everything, that's not what a leader does. A leader is the guy with all the good questions. That's a leader. Give me a leader who asks good questions any day over one who knows all the answers. Okay, here's another one that works against you. If you're going to be an entrepreneur and build a successful business, here's another lie. And this one's going to take a little explaining. I think I've talked about it a little bit in a past episode, but let's hit this one again. The lie goes like this. You need to decide what you want to be someday. It's important. So you ask your son, your daughter, so what do you want to be when you grow up? They tell you, oh, I want to be this or that. And that's a harmless conversation. That's great. But you know, I could make the case that if a kid comes to you and says, hey, guess what I want to be when I grow up? I would finish the sentence by saying, so you can have what you want when you want it and do what you want all day, every day. You, 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 I, 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 me, me, me. Is that really what we're talking about here? Because I'd much rather talk about how you're going to serve others with that talent or that skill or that passion that's inside of you? How are you going to serve other people very, very well? Are you going to become obsessively preoccupied, as my friend Daniel Lappin says, with the needs and the wants of others? Because now we got us an interesting topic. Let's talk about that. But if we're just going to talk about what you want to be when you grow up so you can have what you want out of life, well, that's a pretty small box to live in. And I got to tell you, all the people who try to live in that box get pretty bored pretty fast. It's true. It's true. You don't have to agree with me. This is just straight my worldview. And I love studying different worldviews and understanding other worldviews and reading up on other worldviews. But man, I just find the Bible is pretty hard to beat. And as I explained in episode zero of this very podcast, I got scientific, rock solid, statistical, mathematical, can't be proven wrong evidence that it works, dude. So don't mess with me on that. But hey, seriously, if we were sitting down over coffee and you had a different worldview, we'd still have a good old time. I, I, you know that about me. I'm an easy guy to get along with, but life is about serving others, not you getting what you want. I mean, come on, to give is better than to receive, right? You're with me on that. Well, if we really believe to give is better than to receive, then life is all about giving, not receiving. That means it's all about serving, not taking. It's all about me not getting what I want out of life. It's all about me providing as much of what others want as possible. And by doing so, the magic formula is I'll have everything I could ever possibly want. If I serve enough others well, I'll never want anything that I can't have. Well, here's another lie. And this isn't necessarily a lie that anybody said from the front of the classroom when I was in school, but it's kind of implied. Just be normal. Just fit in. Okay. Just be somewhere in the middle of the bell curve, buddy, because Everyone else on the edge, they're weird. Don't be weird. Weird isn't good. Unless weird somehow becomes cool, then everybody's weird. Now it's not uncool anymore because everyone's being weird. Right? You want to be in the middle of the bell curve. No matter, no matter where that bell curve goes, you try to be right in the middle of it. That's where the cool kids are. Be normal. Fit in. That's the message. Well, as Seth Godin says, best-selling author, love the way this guy thinks. He says, in a crowded marketplace, fitting in means you're a failure. Did you get that? In a crowded marketplace, fitting in means you are a failure. In a busy marketplace, if you don't stand out, you might as well be invisible. You got to be weird, dude. That's why I'm not afraid to be a little strange and, and maybe step on a few toes and have some opinions. I mean, this is my podcast. I've told you it's going to be kid safe. I'm not going to use any of that language. You got to cover your kid's ears real quick. And I'll never do that to you. Totally kid friendly. This is me. This is how I talk all day, every day. I don't have to check my language because I don't, I don't use that kind of stuff. Some people do. That's part of their marketing gig. Hey, that's cool. I think it demeans the message greatly. But 
Well, I'm holding back on that. I won't hold back on my opinions and I won't hold back on how I translate my source guidebook into real world application. And one of the things is there's no problem at all with being abnormal, be weird, be strange. I had to unlearn that one because when I went to school, standing out was a bad thing. If you look back, you can look at the basketball team pictures. I was on the basketball team in high school, right? And at that time, the haircut to have was like, you know, like the, like the crew, the, uh, real short hair, like the uh, Marine, like a Marine haircut. It's like, you know, crop top. Real short, shaved, tight, high and tight, they called it, right? Like that was literally the only acceptable haircut to have, apparently, if you were an athlete at my high school. Not for me, though. I had all kinds of crazy hair. I mean, I just kind of let it go. I don't know if it was a matter of not caring or trying to be different or what, but <laughs> I just didn't didn't care about hair and could just kind of let it go, buddy. And now that's kind of a cool haircut. I see a lot of kids with that with kind of that haircut, just kind of like, you know, just let the hair go, man. Uh, so, but I was that kid. And I can't say I was doing it because I'd learned that lesson yet. I remember being actually a little self-conscious about it, thinking, man, maybe I should get that kind of haircut. But I just didn't want to, so I didn't. So maybe I understood this stuff better than I think I did. I don't know. But you know what? Standing out isn't a big deal. Actually, it's really, really beneficial in business. You want to be memorable. You want to stand out from the crowd. It shows you have confidence. It shows you believe in what you believe in. And people are attracted to that. Leaders don't care about things like being normal and fitting in. I've even seen people that will do exercises to to stretch their boundaries a little bit. Like they'll write down or find 15 silly random questions and go to a mall and ask those questions of strangers. Say, hey, I'm just conducting a little test, get myself out of my comfort zone. Can I ask you a simple question? I'm not recording this. I just, I need to ask you a simple question. And then make up some silly random question. Like, I don't even know. Just something that completely takes you out of your comfort zone. Be creative with it. Have some fun with it. You can find YouTube videos with this kind of thing. You know, people putting themselves completely out of their comfort zone in order to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's the same thing as getting getting comfortable with the word no. Until you're comfortable with the word no, that short little two-letter word, you'll never be successful in business. There's a saying that goes like this, something like this, successful people say no frequently wildly successful people, however, say no constantly. I say no constantly. I tell people sometimes I pay people to say no for me. I'm getting so many inquiries. You've got to get very comfortable with saying no. There's just a free little lesson for you. Okay, here's another lie. Here's one that that, uh, they told you in your schooling, not your education, but your schooling would have told you, and I had to unlearn this one. Your title matters. Those letters that you have before or like after your name, the title you have, oh, I'm an assistant district manager to the district advisor, supervisor, blah, blah, blah. You know, oh my goodness, you're kidding me. The title is completely meaningless in the real world. Completely meaningless. Your title doesn't mean anything, especially not in business. If you're serving people, they don't care what your title is. Now, I know some positions of authority, and I'm not demeaning like military titles and that sort of thing. I mean, much respect, and some titles take a lot of work to earn. I understand that. But if your title is just a title, and it doesn't mean that there are certain things that you definitely can do, like, you know, only certain people can do what a Navy SEAL can do. That is impressive, my friend. You are a Navy SEAL. Mucho props to you. Much respect. I love that. Position of honor. It means you can do certain things the rest of us can't. But if you have a title that you got 
because you read the right books and didn't pass the right tests or didn't fail the, the right tests. Man, that just doesn't impress anybody. Yeah, let me tell you about our hiring process. We've got about 100 people now that do some work for us in different capacities. And when we're bringing someone on board, I flat out tell people in the job description, I tell them, I do not care if you went to college or where you went to college or what grades you got when you went to college or what grades you got in high school or what topics or courses you studied. What I need to know is you have a proven track record of performance doing task X. That's it. What? But my college degree is supposed to be so important. No. You know who else doesn't care about your college degree? Companies like, oh, a little one you might have heard of, Google. Another little one you might have heard of, Microsoft. These guys just don't care about degrees anymore, guys. They really don't. Look it up. Do your research. It's getting increasingly more meaningless, especially as we say as a country, as a nation in the United States, where we spend more per student than any other country in the world and our students severely underperform in nearly every category. And we're spending more and more and more money, but we're saying everybody needs an education. Well, yeah, they do. Everyone does need an education, but schooling is certainly the wrong way to go about it in nearly all cases. Schooling is a horrible educational choice for most of us. For a handful of us, it's a good path. For most of us, if we want to get educated, school is the last place we should go. That's where I went, and now I have to unlearn all these things, like the lessons I'm giving you guys right now. Did you know, here's a fun fact. Remember I mentioned uh, John Gatto earlier, the author of Weapons of Mass Instruction? If you want to make your hair stand on end about the way education is done in the industrialized world, woof, read that book, man. It'll light you up. I had a former school teacher read that and she started homeschooling her kid. <laughs> so warning, you might want to be really careful. I mean, that's one of those books that this guy's been, uh, he, he, let's put it this way. He's had the police called on him. He doesn't raise his voice when he's doing his lectures. He just stands up and delivers facts, statistics, and facts. And his facts are enough to get people so upset and riled up that they call the police and have him taken off stage. Yeah, pretty crazy. But one of the things he talks about in the book is if you go to some of the big universities now, like uh, it was Harvard, the uh, director of admissions, you know, the, the people who decide who's going to come to their college and, you know, who are we going to accept? And like, oh, you got to have the great test scores and you got to have the pedigree and the, the blah, blah, blah. You got to be a member of all these different clubs and society. Those are the people. Yeah, they let those people in. They turn down thousands of them because we're Harvard. We only let in a few people, but they leave a wide gap for a certain kind of person, and they can just walk right in the front door. No test scores needed. Do you know what that person looks like? It looks like the kind of kids I'm raising. I'll tell you about one of them here in just a second to illustrate. But if you've got a successful business of your own as a kid and you're wanting to go to Harvard, they'll let you in. You've proven your ability to lead and serve and make a profit. Now, it surprises me that Harvard is actually still impressed by that, but they are. This is as of a few years ago, even uh, they were letting kids in. The, the test score isn't all that important. If you started your own business, if you've traveled internationally, if you show a degree of independence and ability to run a business or to travel internationally, which we've done a lot with our kids because of the flexibility of our schedule, those are the kind of things. So if you're thinking it's all about test scores and pedigree, even colleges are starting to wake up apparently that those things just don't matter all that much. There's a lot of things that don't matter. These are some of the other things I had to unlearn. Like your skin color matters a lot in business. You know what? It really doesn't. There's a lot of us out here who really don't care how much pigment you've got in your skin. <laughs> I've got a team of, like I said, 100 people. Once you add in Brett and Nathan and everybody, we've got 
I don't know, right around 200 people. We've never added it up. A lot of these are contract workers who work a few hours for us here and there. Many of them, I don't know what country they're in. Some of them, I didn't know if they're male or female till well into the relationship. I definitely don't know what skin tone some of these people have. We've never met. It doesn't matter. Where they went to college doesn't matter. We know they can perform. We saw their results. They proved their results. These things were done over an email. We didn't even need to have a phone call in many cases. We just hired these people because they were good. I didn't, people buy my book, they don't know if Jim Cockrum is a pen name or if it's my real name. It's my real name, by the way. They don't know. They don't care. In business, if you're serving well, when you go to a restaurant and you eat a good meal, you don't think to yourself, hmm, that was good. I bet this guy is of a certain ethnic background and has a certain income level and went to a great college, blah, blah, blah. No, all you know is you ate a great meal and you're happy to pay for it. Those things don't matter in the real world. Really? They just don't. So your age doesn't matter. Tell you an example. My son, Trey, mentioned him a couple times. He's 17 as I'm recording this. He's got a full-time photography business, was just in my office talking about it. He's getting paid to do some crazy gigs. He's got a couple that's going to fly him to Alaska here soon. He's only 17. He's earning money from the C, the E, and the S model that we teach. Remember the CES? I talk about it in the Silent Sales Machine book. That's the Consult, Expand, and Sell. C-E-S. Consult is when you teach others what you know. Teach them how to use the internet as an effective marketing tool. Teach them how to sell stuff on Amazon. Get paid to teach other people how to do the stuff you already know how to do. It's a great business model on the internet. The C, the E, and the S are the only three business models I've ever seen work online. And all three of them complement each other. So we got the C. Well, Trey has people who went went to college. This is my son, my 17-year-old photographer's son who's booked solid, putting up bank. Way more money than I ever made at his age. Buying his own equipment, taking Uber here and there. He doesn't have his license. He will soon. Flying around the world, doing his stuff. Like Harvard would be crazy not to take this kid in, right? Based on the parameters we just talked about, any school he wants to go to, but he's saying, why would I want to go give someone a bunch of money to learn things I already know or I could read a book and learn? So he's got people taking photography courses at college level, then after they graduate, calling him on Skype, doing coaching calls so they can learn how to make money with their talents because he's doing it. He just is doing it. Why? Because he's not afraid to ask questions. He knows building relationships is the key to great business. So he's been asking questions and building relationships for four years now. So these guys that are in their mid-20s, these men and women photographers in their mid to late 20s getting out of college, all this debt and thinking, oh, I'm going to be a photographer. They're calling him to find out how to do the business. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, well, that's how the world works. So age doesn't matter if you're talented, where you're from, what college, what degree, your parents' reputation, the connections that they had. No, none of this stuff matters. You, what are you building? What do you know? What can you do? What's your specialty? Oh, that's a good one. Specialize. If you want a bunch of income streams, you need to specialize. My son's got the C, the E, and the S. He's already specialized. He's known in the area as a go-to photographer. People call him. He gives references. So he's got the E. He's expanding his audience. He's got social media. got his own Facebook group. It's rocking. Got an email list. It's rocking. He's selling digital goods. That's doing great. That's the S and the CES model selling product, right? So he's expanding his audience. He's selling product. He's doing consulting. He's doing them all. And they all complement each other. Makes sense, right? He's not doing anything with Amazon or eBay, by the way. I'm not helping him with his business either if you think I'm his cheat code or something. No, I give him advice on how the world works and how to build relationships. I tell him what good classic business books to read. Things like How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Had him read that. Had him read Lappin's Business Secrets from the Bible. I've got him reading Prayer of Jabez right now, which is a great little book. Oh, man, that's good stuff. Short read. Prayer of Jabez. J-A-B-E-Z. 
Good book. So I tell him a few books to read, but he's just growing it. And we've got a whole community, 35,000 people in our Facebook. This is how we're all learning to think. But unfortunately, we had to unlearn. So I tell my kids all the time, they've got a huge advantage. They don't have to unlearn any of this. If I said, don't be afraid to ask good questions, kids, they'd say things like, well, what would make you say something like that, Dad? What would make you think that we would ever be afraid to ask questions? Why would someone ever be afraid to ask questions, Dad? We don't understand why you felt the need to point that out to us. Why would you even point that out to us, Dad? Like, they would ask a bunch of questions about why I'm even pointing that out, because it's a foreign concept. For me, though, (laughs) I grew up thinking asking questions was bad, because it was. That's what the nerds in the front row did, right? (laughs) So they don't have to unlearn these things. Okay, here's another one. Man, getting a good education is expensive. No, it's just not, dude. It's not. Don't be afraid to spend money to educate yourself. But there's certainly no need to go get tens of thousands of dollars in debt in order to get, quote, unquote, an education. Just not. That's schooling. That's just regimented rows of chairs, people telling you what books to read. For most of us, that's all it is. Let's be honest here. The statistics are telling us that about 30 to 40% of us, if you ask us, hey, about five years after you're out of college, hey, was that worth it? About 30 to 40% of us will just come straight out and say, nope, it wasn't. Wasn't worth it. The statistics just tell us the truth on this one, guys. Most, a lot of us, not most of us yet, but it's getting close to most of us after college, five or 10 years out saying, was it worth it? It's like, well, the, the, uh, the hanging out and the parties were a good time and it was fun and I met some good people and I wouldn't be where I was now if it weren't for that. But my question isn't, would you be where you are now if it weren't for that? My question for you is, could you be further down the road if you'd have just been motivated, read the right books, met the right people? Now I know there's career paths that require a college education. I know. Don't tune me out here. College isn't for everyone. My premise is you need to be building a successful business and thinking like an entrepreneur well before you get out of college. Don't wait till you're out of college to start thinking like an entrepreneur. Here, I'm going to use another Seth Godin quote here. Some people measure their life quality by counting the number of vacations they get. How many times can they escape? What kind of toys do they have to escape from life with? Like that's how they measure the quality of their life. That's terrible. I, I like how Seth Godin says it. He says, instead of wondering where your next vacation will be, Maybe you should set up a life where you don't need to escape. I have no need to escape. I love my life. I feel like I told you a couple episodes ago, a few episodes, I feel like I'm waking up on a snow day every day. That feeling you had as a kid when your mom or dad comes in the room and says, hey, guess what? It snowed a lot last night. Those of us in the north in the United States, man, or I bet you know my friends in Canada, you know the same thing. You've got snow days in the UK, don't you guys? Sure you do. Too much snow. Everybody's locked in. That feeling like, yes, a whole open world of possibilities today like a fresh start. What am I going to do to fill this day with awesomeness? That's how I feel every day. So I've built a life I don't need to escape from. Yeah, we take trips, we travel, we love it. We have a good time. I take work with me. I don't need to escape my work. I love working. You know, that's another lie. Find something you love doing and you'll never work a day in your life. You've heard me rant on that one before, but I'll do a mini rant right now. Okay, listen, find something you love and you'll never work a day in your life means work must be a bad thing, right? Or at least bad sometimes? No. Work is never bad. Work is always a blessing. If you're working to serve others, it's always a blessing. It's always a good thing. There's always reward there. If you do it well, you'll make these wonderful little pieces of paper called certificates of appreciation accumulate magically in your pocket. It feels really good to do that. Serving others well is how you earn an income. So bring your passion to your work. Don't spend your life looking for something you're passionate about. That's making it all about you. Instead, find ways to passionately serve others and you will fill 
your wallet with certificates of appreciation that you can use to go get just about anything you want because you're serving a bunch of other people really, really well. Work is a great thing, especially in an age where work is so devalued. People are like, oh, that work is way beneath me. I could never do that work. All work is valuable if you're serving others. And if you're good at it, you will rise in the ranks so quickly. There is opportunity everywhere. So be willing to do any work. Here's another lie. Do you remember that feeling like, yay, it's Friday. Yes, the week is finally over. I mean, you can't tell me as a kid in school, if you went to a traditional public school, there wasn't just a different, lighthearted, yes, it's almost here feeling every single Friday at about 2 p.m. it kicked in. Like, oh, that weekend, I can feel it coming. I'm going to bust out of here. I'm going to be the first guy out of here. Just can't wait for that bell to ring. And oh man, what about the last day of school? You remember that feeling? It was like, it was like the end of Shawshank Redemption, man. Fists raised triumphantly in the air as the rain pours down on your face. You don't care because it's the last day of school and you are gone, right? You can't deny it. I mean, we all felt that way. Let's get it. Even if you had your best friends at school, like, okay, let's make plans for the summer. We're going to, we're going to hang out and get together. But man, we are out of this prison. Some people look at their work week that way. Is that you? I hope not. Can't wait for Friday. Let me just encourage you. I'm not saying you have to be an entrepreneur and have your own business, although that's why I created this podcast to help people do that. Maybe you're in that transition period where you've got the real job, the nine to five. Maybe you're listening to this on the way to a job you really don't like or on your way home from a job that just takes way too long to get home. You'd much rather be there. Let me just encourage you. You need to treat every day at that job you have as if you are serving as unto God serve well. If they're paying you $20 an hour, you better be worth 50, man. Work your tail off. Attitude, work ethic, posture, body language, the words you choose, whether you choose to participate in gossip or not. No, you better not be gossiping. Oh, come on. Small-minded people talk about other people. You need to be talking about ideas. Change the subject. Rise the level of attitude in that whole place. Be early. Work hard. Get promoted. Make a ton of money while you're there. Serve your employer so well that when you say, hey, it looks like I'm going to have to turn my two-week notice in. This internet marketing thing is really taking off. This internet business, they will cry because they hate seeing you leave. Be that person because you know what happens to that person? Opportunity, promotions, more money, people appreciating what you have to offer. Be that person while you're doing your job. And I have to say, I started to drop the ball a little on this one toward the end of my career. Remember, I actually got fired from my last job. I mean, I was so drawn into this entrepreneur thing that I became borderline useless at work. And they recognized that. And I can't blame them for letting me go when I gave them my, uh, I gave them like a six month notice. and like, ah, this transition might have to happen at some point, guys. I thought I was more important than I really was. They fired me. I can't blame them. It was the best day of my career. <laughs> All right, let's keep it moving. I'm having fun. And I hope you're having a fraction of the fun I am with this one today. Okay, here's a lie. There's a connection between schooling and success. The more success you want, the more schooling you're going to need. No, just simply not true. Your grades, they don't matter. We've talked about this. That somehow you can predict your odds of success based on the amount of school you've had and your test scores. Those have no correlation whatsoever. Scientifically, there is no connection whatsoever between good grades and what college you go to and the income you're going to earn the rest of your life. There just isn't. I'm a statistics minor, okay? You can't statistically connect the dots there. You can say, well, Jim, people who go to college, they earn over their lifetime. They earn." No, the difference between what people earn over their lifetime who went to college and what people who didn't go to college, here's the thing. People who are motivated, we make them go to college. 
people who aren't motivated, not so likely to go to college. So now we're talking about motivated people versus unmotivated people. What do you think is going to happen? over the course of a lifetime, when you pit motivated people versus unmotivated. Whether they went to college or not has nothing to do with it. There's so few of us out here in the real world who are using exactly what we went to college in our careers. Now, yeah, there are some of us. And again, remember, this isn't Jim Hates College show. This is, can we really justify college as the one ultimate best way for youth to step from high school into the real world. Is college really the best step? I say it is for only a fraction of us. It's certainly not the best step is to the degree that we're pushing it. It's a lot of debt, paying people a lot of money to tell you what books to read. And the real world just doesn't care. That's what this is about. All right, keeping it moving. Here's a good quote that illustrates what we're talking about very well. This one's by uh, Jim Rohn. He said, a formal education will make you a living. Yeah, can't disagree with that. But self-education will make you a fortune. Boom. Love it. And I would even give you my version of it, that a formal education might make you a living. I mean, we all know people are losing their jobs, getting laid off and doing something they didn't even go to school for. Right. So it might make you a living to get a formal education, but a self-education will make you a fortune every single time, especially if you self-educate towards the goal of serving others well. Remember, my friend Daniel Lappin, be obsessively preoccupied with the wants and needs of God's other children. Boom. That's the source of, that's the secret to success in business. That's all you need to know. Be obsessively preoccupied and obsessed with the wants and needs of God's other children, and you will build an incredible business. Let's talk a little bit about groupthink is what I like to call it. And this is going to be one of the sections in the book. And again, I'm still shaping this out. So you guys can let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your feedback. If you go to silentgym.com and say, hey, here's what I think of that uh, episode you did about, um, what are we going to call this one? All the things Jim had to unlearn so he could succeed. This is the things I had to unlearn. Maybe you had a different experience. Maybe you look back at your four-year college degree and your 12 years spent sitting in a desk and say, I wouldn't be where I am now had it not been. You know, let me just make one thing clear. Yeah, I had a few good teachers, but I would say most of them really weren't into their jobs a whole lot. It's just not a very glamorous occupation trying to keep a bunch of kids focused, especially in the culture we have now. All these broken homes and all these problems kids bring to school with them. And we're telling our kids go in there and learn life lessons that are valuable and could take you places. That's not an education. That's schooling. In many cases, it's punishment. School is punishment that we can't wait to escape from. And we tell them to take a big old stack of stuff home so they can't have any family time at night, filling out worksheets. No, dude, that is not an education. That's just busy work, drudgery. And the grades that they get, man, I I'm, I'm, hope I'm not talking your kid out of trying in school because, dude, if, if your parents are telling you to hit the books and work hard, you better be honoring God hitting the books and working hard. Obey your mother and father. <laughs> That's the, the first commandment with a promise. It says you'll live long. You will prosper and you will live longer if you obey your parents. So if they're telling you to hit the book, you better be hitting the books. You better be listening and obeying. But what I'm saying is there's not necessarily a connection between that and how successful you're going to be in life. And if you can have some real in-depth, meaningful conversations on that point and really look into it, read as a family the, the books that I've talked about on this episode and just see if you can find any correlation between getting good grades and actually succeeding in life. That correlation just isn't there. But let's talk about groupthink, okay? Diversity is not our success. 
That's just one of the big lie, politically correct lies that has absolutely no meaning whatsoever. And typically when you hear someone say, our diversity is our future, is our success, it's our strength. What they're really meaning is, well, we better have a little bit of each skin pigmentation and you know, we need one disabled person and we need uh, certain different ethnic backgrounds and different heights and weights and you know, they, then we'll have a good team. They, no, that stuff doesn't matter. If you want, I go for diversity in my organization, but it's a diversity of specializations. That's the diversity I want. I want someone who's really good at eBay. I want someone who's really good at pay-per-click advertising on Amazon. I want someone who's really good at sourcing product that we can sell at a profit using retail strategies. I want someone else who's really good at building websites, someone else who's really good at editing audio. You follow me? The skin color or the height or the weight or the physical challenges of those, I could care less. Do they perform? Are they good at what they do? That's what I need to know. So yeah, the diversity of skill sets and specializations, vital. Diversity of skin tones, irrelevant. Give me a break. Here's another one. Groupthink will tell you uh, successful people have to steal to get there. No, not true. It's just simply not true. You haven't done your homework. If that's your worldview that successful people stole or ripped people off somehow, yes, you can get rich stealing from people. You know what we call those people? Criminals. You know what we do with them? We put them in jail. There's a few exceptions. The vast majority of the wealthy people in this nation got there through first generation wealth. There's statistics on this stuff. You can look it up. Millionaire Next Door is a book, I believe, that has these kind of statistics in it. Dave Ramsey talks about this stuff all the time. First generation wealth means they started a business, they worked hard, they earned a bunch of money serving other people really, really well, and that's why they have a bunch of money now. Everybody who encounters them leaves better. They walk around spreading everything good around everyone they touch. They're generous. They give. They're selling a product that's worth way more than the price they charge, and they're able to do it at a good profit. That's how you stay in business, by the way. You do realize that, right? Because if you're charging people more than what it's worth, you know how many customers you'll have? Zero. You just you can't sell something for more than it's worth and have customers. So you got to sell products for less than the value that your customer sees in it if you want to be able to succeed in business. That makes sense, right? And if you're selling it for less than the value your customer sees, you've also got to sell it for more than what you paid to bring it to the market. Otherwise, you go broke. So the only kind of businesses that survive are businesses that sell a product at a price that they can afford to bring it to the market where they still have a profit and it is still priced less than what people are willing to pay. Otherwise, no one would pay for it. That's called free market. Come on. They still teach this stuff, right? Sticking with me? Free markets are beautiful. Successful people don't get there by stealing. Successful people get there by serving the vast majority of the people, especially if they earn their money through business, have earned it and they've served others to get there. Here's an interesting statistical fact. This one just popped in my head. I think you might like this one. This one needs to go in my book. I need to make a note. Okay, so my friend Daniel Lappin, my mentor, you heard him on a couple podcast episodes a while back. I've referenced him a couple times. His book, Business Secrets from the Bible, great book. You got to read it. He did some research. He actually did the statistical research himself, and he looked at several different groups from our culture. He looked at clergy, like, you know, ministers, pastors, church leaders. He looked at uh, university professors as a group. He looked at doctors as a group. I remember, like, there was lawyers in there. There were several different professional class, like, you know, higher income, respected leader type positions. And he put them all into their classes, right? He put business owners in one of these categories as well. So you've got this list, right? Just imagine this list of, let's say we went out and found 100,000 people for each of those categories. He then did a per capita analysis of how likely they were to commit a high-end felony. Like, you know, how many of these people turn out to be total criminals? And can you guess which category performed the best in regards to least likely to commit a serious crime? 
least likely to be in a headline as like, oh, wow, that guy did what? Least likely. They beat the clergy. They beat the pastors. The least likely to commit a serious crime are the business owners. I mean, come on, it makes it kind of makes sense, right? Because to serve well is to be a business owner. You've got to be in the habit of constantly swallowing your own pride, putting yourself second, and serving others well to succeed in business. You just have to. And those aren't the kind of people that go around committing <laughs> felonies. They just aren't because they've got so many people relying on them financially that the weight of that responsibility when you own a business, it's not just you getting what you want. You've got families that have helped you build this. You're serving others habitually, daily. And here's the thing. It's hard to be selfish, which is the root of all crime, right? You realize that. Think of all crime. Every crime, there's a selfish element to it. It's, you know what? I'm going to get what I want. I don't care what everyone else thinks. That's what a crime typically is. You have something I want, I'm going to take it because I want it. The opposite of serving. So people who are in the habit of serving constantly, genuinely serving, and they have evidence in the, the way of profit that they can show for that service, well, those are some of the most virtuous people in our culture because they serve habitually. Now, am I saying it's more virtuous to be a business owner than a pastor? Nope, that's not what I just said. You need to check your logic. One thing you need to show up with on my show is some logic skills. I didn't just say that. What I did say was, through statistical analysis, looking at thousands of people in each of these categories, the category least likely by a long shot, it wasn't even close, was Lappin's exact words. It wasn't even close. Business owners are the least likely category. So if you're going to trust somebody and all you know about them is they're in one of those categories, best bet is to trust a business owner. You got to find someone to trust. Trust a business owner. Now, there's a lot of good, trustworthy people in the world, and I'm sure none of these categories had more than like a 1% or 2% rate. But the business owners had just a tiny fraction of a percentage rate of serious crimes. I thought that was pretty interesting. I hope you did too. And you know what? That's kind of actually pretty good story to end this one on. Maybe the, the, the summary of all this is your success in life isn't measured by your schooling, your education. It's measured by character. So be working on those things that build your character. If you have a love of learning and a solid character and you learn to serve people well, man, you're unstoppable in business. You're just flat out unstoppable. You have such an advantage over the way Ray, the rest of the world is trying to do this. Serve others well with character. Have a love of learning. Keep soaking it up. Listen to this podcast and all the other good ones out there. Be constantly learning, soaking it up, serving others. Man, that's my advice to you. So I hope you don't have to unlearn all the things I had to unlearn. And that book has a, a lot more examples in it. Those are just a few examples. But I had fun sharing those with you. Hope you had some fun listening to it today. Very unusual podcast today, admittedly. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, oh, I don't quite agree with everything that guy Jim has to say. You know what? I'd be worried if you did. <laughs> because it's a pretty scary thought if I was in charge of everything suddenly. Although maybe that's not a bad idea. <laughs> hey, this has been a blast. Really liked it. I feel like I was kind of hanging out with you today, just chatting with a friend who let me really just talk for an hour. So thank you for that gift of your time. I hope you really benefited from it. Again, I would really like for you to jump over to silentgym.com, leave us some feedback, let me know what you think of the show, and if there's any other topics you want me to hit. The reason I hit this one today was because someone said, hey, Jim, I'd like to hear you talk about this topic. I heard you mention it in passing on an interview, this book you're working on. I want to hear some of the stuff that's on that list, the things you had to unlearn, where I just laid it on the line for you. I just told you a bunch of the things I had to unlearn before I could succeed. There you go. 
Hey, if you haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, it would be a huge favor to me. If you go over to silentgym.com, silentgym.com slash podcast, you'll find a little video there. Right now it's down towards the bottom of the page. It steps you right through how to listen to this show on any device and all that, but it also tells you how to leave us a review on iTunes, which we would really, really appreciate. Leave us a review there. Tell us what you think and give us some feedback about some other show ideas and that sort of thing. Hey, I hope you know I love doing this. I hope some of this benefited you today. I hope I challenged you. I hope I made you think a little bit, maybe challenge some of those things that you need to sharpen up. And hey, feel free to send me the facts that counter any of this stuff because I'm in learning mode constantly around here as well. I love learning. Educate me. If you got some facts, send them my way. Hey, God bless you. Can't wait to do this again. I'll talk to you real soon. Mm-hmm.